In this week's episode, we discuss New York's laws regarding pharmacists and cannabis dispensaries, new breakthrough research about the brain, and the EU's new data sharing plan. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 136 for the week of May 9th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Albert Battistelli. Before we get started, our diagnosis code for this week is V96.05, or balloon explosion, injuring occupant. <laughs> Yikes. We don't know if it's a regular balloon. We don't know if it's a helium balloon. Hot air balloon. We don't know if it's a balloon animal. Yeah, oh hot God, air man. balloon. It's just a balloon those, explosion. Do you remember those? First of all, I've never liked balloon explosions. They always made me tense when I was a kid. And there were those games where, like, you'd go to a birthday party and there'd be like little messages in balloons and you had to like sit on the balloons to pop them and like get the oh, little yeah. like things. Those, that was like a nightmare for me. I remember like I wouldn't, I like refused to participate at like some yeah, birthday was, party uh, I was at as a child. Yeah. I always used to be way too aggressive and it would hurt. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's just, a V9605 right there. Yeah. That's a classic, a classic <laughs> case of a V9605. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any more classic than that. <laughs> but yeah, so hopefully people aren't hurting themselves from balloon explosions that often because otherwise, bad news. Because right. they could end up having a looming medical conundrum, which is our Ooh. first story. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do with balloons, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways. No. Recently proposed changes to New York's medical cannabis program would allow medical cannabis dispensaries to operate under the remote supervision of a pharmacist. Currently, pharmacists are required to provide in-person supervision at all of the state's 40 licensed medical dispensaries. Reducing pharmacists' presence at dispensaries isn't putting patients first, it's putting the profits of cannabis companies above the needs of patients. Cannabis companies are for-profit businesses that operate on a volume-based business model. Therefore, Their staff are incentivized, usually through sales bonuses, to tell patients anything they want to get them to buy more products. Some cannabis companies have even been found guilty of deceptive marketing practices by using unproven health claims to market their products. Patients would likely suffer as a result of this change, being forced to wait to speak to a pharmacist or take their health-related questions or concerns elsewhere. Interesting. Very cool. So, like legitimizing cannabis programs a little bit more by requiring a pharmacist to be involved, but also like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, no. So the pharmacists are already required. It's just letting them be remote. Is that the issue here? Oh yeah. Currently they're required to provide in-person supervision. So like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Honestly, like with the rise of telehealth and, people being able to see their doctors online and remotely. I don't see why a remote soup, a remote pharmacist can't help run a cannabis program. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting though. Is it just going to be like a live stream indefinitely? And right. Like, it's just there. one point to the other and they're like in the Walmart pharmacy and you know, this like the patients are coming in and they're checking out their prescriptions and then, you just hear like, hey, this is John from New York Dispensary. I need help. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you, Walmart could use a cannabis program. I would yeah. I sometimes to go into Walmart, I feel like I need a cannabis program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um it's helpful. I don't know how how if they're already having issues. Mm-hmm. I don't know if 
remote will be, you know, the end all be all solution. Sounds like there needs to be more of a crackdown, but maybe it is. Hopefully it is. Yeah. Discoveries of the brain. A team at Massachusetts General Hospital previously discovered tiny channels in the skull. The team has now found that cerebrospinal fluid, known as brain water, can exit the brain into the skull's bone marrow through these channels. This means that in addition to allowing immune cells to flow from the skull's bone marrow to the brain, the skull channels also allow the cerebrospinal fluid to flow in the opposite direction, out of the brain and into the skull's bone marrow. The team also found that bacteria that can cause meningitis travel through the channels and enter the skull's bone marrow. This causes cells in the bone marrow to produce more immune cells to combat the invasion. The discovery, which is published in Nature Neuroscience, is important because immune cells produced in the spongy tissue of the skull's bone marrow can screen the cerebrospinal fluid for signs of infection and other threats to the brain. Neat. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, brain water. Didn't know that was a thing. That yeah, that's gross. weird. That does sound really gross. <laughs> it also sounds like, I mean, it's sounds cool like a brand. Right, yeah, that does, for real. It's like smart water, but brain water. This sounds cool. I don't know. It's funny when they make these discoveries because I'm like, oh, wow, that's really going to be a game changer. But I'm like, actually, no, that's just what happens. That's already happening. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. we, we just like, know it's happening now. Like, this is actually happening, and it has been since we were alive. Right, but yeah. Now we know what it's called, and we have a right. name associated with it. So I and guess, maybe you know, that... Yeah, we'll make it easier to research or easier to like look into now that we know that things do that. But like, yes, huh. it's groundbreaking breaking because now that we know that this exists, things can happen around it. You know, right. We can yep. create research because of it. Yeah. Because now and we know what it is. An awesome marketing name for smart water or cool or water. Or just bottle just bottle some water and call it brain water and be like, hey, hey, brain real. water. This gets in your spinal chasm. The opposite of liquid death. Yeah, or not spinal. Which is also just water, which is right. wild. Right, true, right. People love it. I don't know. They, they do. Murder your thirst. Murder your thirst. Brain water. Uh, uh, hydrate <laughs> your thoughts. Fill your, fill your skull. <laughs> Whoa. Fill your skull channels. Next up, EU data sharing changes. The European Commission wants to help patients, medics, regulators, and researchers access health records more easily. In a bid to improve diagnosis, the EU proposes to cut unnecessary costs caused by the duplication of medical tests. Brussels estimates that these changes would lead to large savings and economic gains of more than 10 billion euros over the course of the next 10 years. That's 1 billion euros per year. That's quick math right there. The proliferation wow. of unneeded tests and prescribed drugs is caused mostly by problems in accessing health data. Often health information is not accessible to patients themselves, and hospitals only partly share data with each other. The EU Commission believes it could address the problem by making data more accessible to patients through the creation of databases that are freely accessible online. Nice. Da -da -da. This is like duplicate billing, except yeah. it's like not i mean it is duplicate billing and in the world of the u.s if you do duplicate billing you can mm -hmm. be charged with fraud which is bad because technically if you do duplicate billing 
you're getting paid and compensated by a healthcare insurance organization for something that isn't medically necessary on the patient, so it's bad news. Now, duplicate billing usually happens on accident, but you can still get caught, charged for it by fraud. So I'm, 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 I'm almost 100% certain that the EU probably has something like a you know, duplicate billing you know, legislature to catch yeah. that as well, because it's painful, Albert. It hurts the patient. It costs it money, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Good. So it looks like this is the EU's push towards stopping duplicate billing, which is good. Yeah. Not to mention just like if I get an x-ray at one practice, I don't want to have to go get an x-ray then like two weeks later at another practice because they don't have the same, they're not sharing the information between the practice I already went to. Like if you go get a second opinion or you go get yeah. something here and there, like if I have an x-ray, I want like my x-ray or my CAT scan or whatever to be able to, I want all my doctors to be able to access it. I don't want it to just right. be stuck in one practice or one facility. That's, That's a great one of the use cases for blockchain in, yeah. um, in NFTs in, right. uh, in healthcare, which is interesting. But that is interesting. You know, the more you know. The more you know, Matt. Wow. 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 Oh. Anyways, let's get into our next segment. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest breaches all across the world. Okay, closing after a breach. My Nurse, a healthcare startup that provides chronic care management and remote patient monitoring services, said it will shut down at the end of the month after reporting a data breach that exposed the personal health information of more than 500 users. The startup, in a data breach notice, said that they discovered a breach on March 7th during which an unauthorized individual accessed the company's protected health data. Patients' information was accessed, including medical histories, diagnoses, treatments, lab test results, prescriptions, and health insurance information. My nurse said that its decision to shutter its business is unrelated to the data security incident, but did not provide a reason for the unexpected shutdown. The company said it began notifying affected patients on April 29th, the same date as its data breach notification, more than seven weeks after the breach was discovered. Hmm. Whoa. So we're not saying that they shut down because of the data breach, but we're implying that they shut down but because we, of the data it breach. It could be possible. Right. We can we can suspect. We can reasonably argue. Notifying affected patients after seven weeks. Seven weeks might seem like a long time, but really it's not. If the company started notify noticing that after seven weeks, yeah. um, that's pretty fast, actually. That is, so yeah. I'm gonna give my nurse some credit here. Not my nurse, not my professional nurse, but <laughs> my nurse, the healthcare startup that provides chronic care management and the former monitoring startup. services. Right, correct. Right. Uh, so, you know, not a terrible breach. 500 users, not good that there's breaches associated with that if there's any protected health information. As we know, Albert, the HIPAA of notification rule says that my nurse has to notify local media. Um, so hopefully... The user's information from a protected health information standpoint wasn't affected so that they don't have to do that. Right. But not bad. Seven weeks isn't bad. Out of some of the ones that we've heard, it takes months and months right. and months. Seven weeks ain't bad. Right. We'll give them a C. Not even two months. Yeah. C. You know, C plus. Why not? C plus. C plus. 76%. That's a C plus. 77. Like yep, My bad. Next up, riveting breach in Riviera. Ooh. A data breach in Riviera Utilities 
a utility company serving Baldwin County in Alabama, exposed the personal details of customers after employee email accounts were accessed. In a statement released May 2nd, the company confirmed that an unknown actor had gained access to internal data, exposed details, including the personal information of a limited number of individuals, quote unquote, such as names, social security numbers, love that, driver's license or state identification numbers, passport numbers, medical Mm. information, health information from an insurance standpoint, credit or debit card numbers, card expiration dates, and card CVVs. The elements of personal information varied for different customers. A forensic investigation carried out on March 28, 2022, which happens to be my birthday, determined that the email accounts were accessed on or about October 17, 2021. Those affected in the breach were notified on April 26th. Those affected by the breach are being offered free credit monitoring services. There which she doesn't is. monitor the use of passport numbers, I'll say. And no. not, yeah, medical information. So pretty I much, how, what is, how does, how does Riviera Utilities have access? My passport number? Yeah. The passport numbers, medical information, health insurance information. That doesn't make any sense. No. I, even social security numbers. What do you need my social security number for if I'm just paying my water bill water or bill, my right. makes electric no sense. bill? Or, that makes no sense to me. I don't get that. That is mm-hmm. like a, that is what you call too much access. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All that they should have access to is the card I'm using name, to pay, yep. card, and where I live or billing yep. address. That's, That's it. it. You don't need anything yeah. else. Nope. You don't need a driver's license number. Absolutely not. Passport numbers bonkers to me. Health insurance information for the utility company? Why does the utility Listen, company, why does my gar- have, why does the garbage company need to know my health insurance? If you have diabetes, you're not getting garbage. Sorry, we can't provide us with your medical information. We can't collect your recycling. That just doesn't make any sense. Type two diabetes. Like what? I don't get that. Alabama's got some changing to do, and this is a, an example of uh yeah, yeah. I that's would, right. I, my my thing is is okay. First of all, let's talk about how um, it looks like the investigation was carried out in 2022, but the access happened in 2021. Which, if you remember from our last breach, you know that's a lot longer of a time to notice a breach than seven weeks. Which is why we right. said, "Hey, my nurse, good job." But the customers of this utility company, if the utility company is, you know, maybe. Maybe the utility company isn't asking for these medical information. Maybe it just happens to be a part of a system sure. that deals with something related to, I don't know. That, that, that's right, something they access that has but our information. If the customers are just willingly giving utility information, this company, all that information, they're somewhat at fault too, I feel like. Because it's kind of no, like, hey, I don't, you know, I don't think I need to give you my passport number for this. Right. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I need I don't think you need to know that. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. That's a crazy breach. Crazy breach. One of the weirder breaches for sure. All right, next up pretend hacking. A group of hackers calling itself Stormus said that they gained access to Coca-Cola's confidential data and are offering it for the equivalent of about $64,000 in Bitcoin. Coca-Cola told the Wall Street Journal that it is aware of the claim and is cooperating with law enforcement. 
However, experts consulted by the journal noted that Stormus has a reputation for claiming to have hacked data that was already made available on the dark web by others. Cybercriminals often exaggerate the extent of their hacks to pressure the victims to pay, which is what Stormus is most likely doing to Coca-Cola. Stormus claims to be acting on behalf of Russia in retaliation for Coca-Cola's decision to pull out of the country after it invaded Ukraine. That is a lot of, like, stuff. Pretend hacking. Pretend hacking. Group called Stormus. Acting on behalf of supposedly Russia. But only asking for about $64,000 in Bitcoin. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like in Austin Powers when Dr. Evil first asks for like a million dollars. And everyone's like, that's really not a lot of money anymore. And he's like, oh, uh, should we ask for yeah, more? Right. <laughs> like, 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 I'm like, what is this? Maybe they're just trying to go under the radar. Maybe, maybe they just and thought if we asked like, hey, 64 grand, I need a new car. Right, you in know. Bitcoin, in Bitcoin. Yeah, help me out here. Right. We'll be good. You know, that's probably what it was. Maybe I, unless they're really just a bad doctor evil, which is also possible. It's, it's weird. But, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Ukraine, the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, you can see how that still leads to cybersecurity attacks. And I feel like any sure. kind of war or any kind of giant global event right. uh, leads to more cybersecurity attacks as well. Now, this one obviously isn't good, but we have seen some that are. So right. uh, stay vigilant, folks. Wow. Yep, as always, don't give your passport number to your garbage man. <laughs> yeah, that's the moral of <laughs> That's what I'm story. taking from And that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Matt Money Penny. And I'm Albert Battistelli. And we'll see you next week. Bye.